You're listening to a Stranger podcast, www.thestranger.com. So, welcome to a very special installment of the Savage Lovecast. This is number 52. This is our 52nd po- weekly podcast, which means the podcast turns one year old today. And isn't that grand and glorious? Um, we couldn't have turned one year old without you. Uh, and, of course, the tech-savvy at-risk youth that uh, importuned me to start doing this. And I enjoy it very much, and I'm glad I'm doing it. And I'm glad people keep calling with their questions, because without your fucking questions, there's no fucking podcast. 206-201-2720 is the number if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast. Um, we've got tons of questions. Every week we have more, so I'm not going to blather on too long right now. We're just going to get right to your calls. Hey, Dan. My name is Adam. I'm a 27-year-old heterosexual guy. Uh, I seem to have serious problems maintaining a relationship with anybody. I've been in lots of relationships on and off, and um, none of them seem to last very long. I was only with one girl that I really like a lot, and she uh, dumb my ass, so that is what it is. I don't know if it's just me being an asshole or sucking at relationships, but it, I think this is typical. Uh, I find someone that I can tolerate and we date for a while and then eventually I get bored and I'm just done and I'm done in the worst kind of way. I'm, I'm done to where she can be sitting on the couch reading a magazine. I don't like the way she's has her legs crossed kind of done and I want nothing to do with her at that point. I don't know what my problem is. I tried to call you, uh, didn't get you, so here's the response as best I can with the info you gave me. You do sound like an asshole when you say you find someone you can tolerate as opposed to someone you're attracted to. Um, then you get bored and you're done, and even the way she crosses her legs on the couch uh, annoys you so much you have to run. Um, but I, I don't want to be, come down too hard on you. Uh, I wanted to ask you in a follow-up how old you are. Uh, and, and to reassure you, asshole though you may be, that all relationships fail. Until one doesn't. And you just have to keep having them. You have to keep trying on shoes so you find the pair that fits. You have to keep at it till you find the relationship that doesn't fail. So you may need just to hang in there. You may be becoming discouraged just from the natural order of things. You're young. You're dating. It's not working out. It's not working out. Um, and you have some sort of intense negative reaction when you realize it's not working out, when you realize you can't tolerate them anymore, and you're just kind of brusque and through with them in what sounds like a sort of cruel manner. Uh, that is assholery. You should work on that. Maybe knock it off. But you shouldn't take that. The fact that all these relationships haven't worked out is evidence that you can't have a relationship or that you will never have one that does work out. You will one day perhaps have one that does work out unless you're a complete sociopath and uh, you only are attracted to people that you want to get rid of uh, a few weeks later when you decide you're done with them. Um, You're not so sociopathic that you get rid of them by grinding them up in a hamburger or anything. You just dump them. Uh, But it sounds like you lost the last girl you were with who dumped you um, uh, you and you weren't done with her yet. And uh, so maybe that will help you empathize a bit with the girls that you date for a while and then decide you're done with. Maybe you'll be a little less cruel and brusque um, or not. As you self-diagnosed, you may just be an asshole. But if assholes uh, couldn't have successful relationships, the human species wouldn't have triumphed in the way that it has all over the world. Um, There's nothing necessarily about being an asshole that will prevent you from finding love uh, and, uh, 
being with someone very special and being obnoxious and horrible to that very special someone all the rest of her life. Uh, we see evidence of those relationships everywhere we look uh, in this fair country of ours. So there's hope for you, um, even if it spells tragedy for the woman you wind up with. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 21-year-old straight female. Um, my boyfriend and I are having a little problem when it comes to sex. Um, for whatever reason, I need to use lube when I have vaginal intercourse. And every time we go to get it, you know, it sort of ruins the moment. He loses the direction, and then I, you know, stopping into it. So I'm wondering how we can, you know, improve this and how the interruption doesn't have to ruin everything. Okay, I'd really appreciate it if you answer. Um, I love the podcast. Hey, Ashley, it's Dan, and I just listened to your message, and I wanted to chat with you in person about it. Okay. Um, so have you ever talked to a doc about why you're not self-lubing enough to uh, accommodate no, your boyfriend's really, massive yeah. throbbing cock? Pardon? <laughs> no, not really. Um, well, you might want to do that. You know, some women just don't produce uh, enough, uh, even when they're super-duper aroused, enough vag in a lubricant, uh, just like some men don't produce much or any pre-cum. It's just one of those... Uh, you know, unlucky sides of the coin that sometimes come up, and there you go, and you have to live with it, uh, unless there's something medically wrong. Do you, do you drink, do you get a lot of fluids in your diet? Do you drink a lot of water? Um, yeah, I do. Eat a lot I of fruits and vegetables? Food. Yeah. Do you drink tons of coffee? Um, no, not really. Do you drink a lot of Diet Coke? I think that I just drink water. Pardon? I just like drink water. Oh, that's good. It. Because you know what? You know, people who claim, you know, who who are have lubrication problems who drink nothing but diuretics all day long and dehydrate mm-hmm. themselves um, can be making the problem worse or creating the problem. But it doesn't sound like that's the case with you. So you just might be one of the unlucky, uh, not quite lubed up ladies out there, right? <laughs> okay. um, and so you're the, it sounds like the mistake you're making is you're waiting till probably the moment of penetration to reach around yeah. and get the lube. Yeah. That's dumb. That's Sorry. really dumb. I can't believe how dumb you are. Did you go to college? That's so dumb. Oh. Um, but I don't want you to feel ashamed of how dumb you are, because I'm here to help. Okay. Well, <laughs> you were smart dumb. enough to call me. Um, you know, a lot of gay guys, uh, I remember in the 80s, had this problem, and a lot of straight guys still do to this day, where they go, yeah, you're so hot. The moment I put the condom on, I totally lose it. <laughs> well, and it's always the moment before. Like, they're rolling around, they're all hot and bothered, they're ready to penetrate, then they have to pause and put the condom on. And the condom is cold. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not at body temperature, maybe it's at room temperature and the lube on it is cold. Mm-hmm. And you know what cold does to dick? <laughs> yeah. Right? The thing the trick with condoms or lube if you need to lube up is to put it on during foreplay well before penetration. Okay. And you can inject lube uh with a lube bulb right up into your vaginal canal before you start messing around or early on during the messing around and you can smear lube all over his dick during the messing around okay you should you what you need to do is make the lube application part of the foreplay or part of the uh the the pre-setup all right and not this like okay we're all hot and bothered foreplay's over let me squeeze this freezing cold lubricant (laughs) all over your dick and my vagina and oh you lost your erection i didn't see that coming (laughs) <laughs> okay. You want to put the lube on, forget it's there, and then fuck like rabbits. You don't want to be fucking, 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 and then have to get out the, the oh. lube drop. All right. Okay? Yeah, well, I'll try that. That sounds like really good advice. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. Good luck with that. Bye. My question is about sexual guilt. I'm calling in part so you reassure me I'm not alone. I assume I'm not alone because 
Even Dr. Strangelove mentions a feeling of emptiness after sex. I'm also hoping you have a cure. I have a simple enough desire to, well, ejaculate my partner's mouth. And although my ex is GGG enough to let that happen periodically, I was excited about it right up until it happened. In the middle of coming, though, I began to feel guilty, and the feeling could last for quite a while. I also sometimes feel guilty after masturbation. Intellectually, I know that's silly, but nonetheless, I feel bad. How do I make this guilt go away? I assume the answer is, um, stop being a pussy and relax and enjoy your desires. But I did figure that much out on my own, and it doesn't seem to help. Uh, if that sounds a little scripted, um, at least it was concise. I have noticed more and more people seem to be writing out their questions and then reading them into the phone uh, and sounding a little scripted, uh, as you do. And I don't have a problem with that. I'm unscripted enough for all of us. If you want to write your questions out before you ask them, please feel free. Uh, I'm going to actually give you a call. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I want to reach into your brain uh, through the internets and pull out this guilt. I just listened to your, your scripted message uh, and thought I'd give you a buzz. Is that all right? Okay, so first of all, uh, I don't want you to stop being a pussy. I want you to stop being a scrotum. Uh, okay. Pussies are fierce and powerful and spit out human beings, and they can take a pounding. It's scrotums that are weak and, and nervous, and you can't even tap them without people screaming and falling to the floor. We never use pussy in that pejorative sense on this show, ever. And I never let it fall from my lips, ever. Understood? You know... You know, in all those episodes I've heard, I, I distinctly remember not ever hearing that. That's right. In every episode of the podcast, 52, this is the one-year anniversary. I have never used the word pussy in the way that you just used it, and I'm really offended. And it's, I'm so offended I'm not even going to help you out. I'm just going to hang up the phone now. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it takes a lot more than that to offend me. So I listened to your message, uh, and, and I have some advice that may not be helpful, but that's my stock and trade. Um, so you have these desires. You have a desire to, you know, come... Uh, to ejaculate in your partner's mouth, and that's a very common desire. Uh, and you'd like to masturbate, and then you feel guilty afterwards. Um, and it sounds like you start feeling guilty as soon as you begin to ejaculate, right? The orgasm crests, and the guilt rolls in, right? You know, there's a lot of sex-negative messages out there, uh, even if you're not brought up in a religious household. It's also, you know, there's often, when people come, however sex-positive they are, however cool they are with their desires and the things that they want to do, there's that moment when you come where you just feel a little ridiculous right afterwards, you know, because of the, you know, whatever you did to get to that point, whatever sort of begging and pleading and muling you had to do or drinks you had to buy or dinner you had to buy, and you have that orgasm and you think, all that build up, all that effort just for this, just so I could make this mess, just so I could coat her molars with my dying DNA. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just part of uh, 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 of the sexual experience. It's part of human sex is there's this this incredible buildup, this incredible buildup of, of tension, and then there's this release. And you have to learn how to fly through that release. You have to learn to laugh at the guilt. You have to learn to identify that moment where you begin to fall out of the arousal, where you begin to fall out of that you know, that tension and leave that buildup and you've had that climax and, and your sexual desires all instantly recede away. That's what's amazing about an orgasm. Like the, everything you wanted to do, however horny you were, you come and it just instantly sort of evaporates. And then you're standing there with your dick in your hand going, oh my God, I feel ridiculous. You know, I have a, I have a test in the morning and I spent three hours in front of the computer masturbating. What a waste, right? 
Yeah. Have you had that experience? Not not quite to that degree. But, but, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so all you have to do is start is change the way you think about that moment and replace or identify the feelings of guilt as, as humorous. Like You just have to like go, oh, this is how my brain chemistry reacts to this moment that everybody has, this moment of falling away, this moment of standing there or lying there or strapped down there, feeling ridiculous because you just had that orgasm that you went through all that effort to get to, right? Uh-huh. And you just, like everybody else, you sort of like laugh at that moment and go, ah, I'm an idiot. What a ridiculous waste of time. I wish I'd done the New York Times crossword puzzle instead. Oh, my God, I have a test in the morning. Oh, my God, I'm not even attracted to you. Oh, my God, you're a she-male. Whatever it is that goes through people's minds at that moment, just know that everybody has that same experience that you do. Don't let it be guilt. Or let it be okay. guilt. But you need to have a sense of humor about your mind tormenting yourself with this ridiculous bullshit guilt. Why do you feel guilty about wanting to come in someone's mouth? Do you feel like you're degrading her? Well, because... It clearly wasn't. It, it was clearly something she was doing for my sake. You know? It's clearly something she's doing for your sake, right? Which she didn't want to do, and then so then afterward, you know. I do plenty I of things in the sack. I do plenty of things in the sack for my boyfriend's sake because I like him and I want him to stick around. And you have yeah. a right to expect that from your sex partners. You have a right to expect that every once in a while they're going to take one for the team, the team being the two of you, and provide you with some pleasure. Or, you know, indulge you in something purely because it works for you. And they're just going there because you want to go there. You have a right to expect that from your sex partners. You don't have a right to demand it. You don't have a right to be a dick about it. You don't have a right to it seven nights a week. But some indulgence? Just like every once in a while my partner goes out for Thai food, he hates Thai food. I love it. He just fucking suffers through dinner. Every once in a while I bang away at his mouth until I come down his throat and... He's not necessarily getting anything out of it, but I am, and he's fine with that. And I reciprocate. Isn't that a beautiful mental image? And you need to, you need to like, feel good enough about yourself that you can let somebody do for you in the sack without freaking out about, you know, how unfair it is to them that they're doing this only because you want it. That's totally legit. They have a right to want to do it only because you want it, and you have a right to expect it only because you want it, so long as you do similar things for her. And I did. And you do. So stop feeling fucking guilty. Everybody right. wants to blow a load in their girlfriend or boyfriend's mouth. Everybody with a dick wants to blow a load in their girlfriend or boyfriend's mouth. Absolutely fucking everybody. So just, just to, to clarify, how common is, how unusual am I? How weird am I? No, you, am you're I not weird, weird in that in that moment of like right after you come, you, you're, you know, you, the, the sexual desire, all the horniness is erased from your mind. And you're just like sort of stranded there for a minute and some other feelings rush in to take the place of the horniness and the arousal. That's totally common. That's everybody, right? Unfortunately for you, you know, however your brain wired itself to regard sex, the feelings that rush in at that moment for you is feelings of guilt. And you just need to encourage something else to rush in or learn to laugh at the guilt. Right. And, you know, hold the guilt on a fork at arm's length and go... I know I'm having that feeling, but it's a stupid feeling to have, and I should have some other feeling, and boy, this guilt is a waste of time. Okay? I'll try. And be good, and, and, and feel fine about making demands in the sack, so long as you are willing to fulfill your partner's demands uh, with equal vim and vigor and with a smile on your face, even when you know, you're 45 minutes into the cunnilingus and your jaw is falling off. Okay? Will do. Bye. 
Hi, Dan. I guess my question is concerning the fact that I'm a really nervous person. I mean, I'm kind of a pussy and I'm kind of really nervous about this phone call. Um, basically, I'm 25 and... No, actually, I take that back. I'm 24 and I'm turning 25 next week. So I've been thinking about the whole, like, I don't know, I'm halfway to 50 and um, I'm not having enough sex. And, like, one of these days I'm, like, going to not really be able to have sex. So I might as well have sex a whole lot when I can. And um, I got out of a bad relationship about three years ago. And it's been really hard for me to get over um I guess the only, I mean, and similar to the caller recently, the only good thing about the relationship was that my boyfriend had the notorious pie-throwing fetish. But other than that, he was a pretty aggressive guy, and um, he, in the end, hit me a few times, and um, it was took me a while before I eventually fought back and got out of it. Um, so, yeah, that kind of put my whole sex life on a hold, and... Um, Recently, I've been really, really wanting it. I'm really, really horny, and I just don't know how to get it. I don't know how to go up and talk to guys and, you know, get what I want from them. I'm moving to Berlin in December, and I'm wondering, you know, like, my life's going to change in all of these different ways when I move, and I'm wondering if that's going to include my sex life or if maybe it's just me. I don't know. That's my question. Hey, Kirk, it's Dan. I just listened to your message. How are you? Okay, I'm are you, good. Don't be shy. You say you're kind of a pussy. I have to I have to wrap your knuckles for saying you're kind of a pussy because pussies are strong and they spit out human beings and they can take a pounding um, and, and they're just really, you know, made out of tough stuff. Your, what you are is a scrotum because scrotums are weak and vulnerable and if you even tap them, uh, the guy's on the floor. And we don't we don't use pussy in that with that sense uh, at the Savage Lovecast, okay? Yeah, I never thought of it that way. I'm... I'm a linguist, so I'm going to have to uh, share that with my classmates. (laughs) I'm glad to to be able to raise your consciousness like that. Um, Although you folded up just, when I said that, you just like collapsed just like a total pussy. Like you didn't defend your pussy position at all. Um, Anyway, setting that aside, uh, I'm really sorry that your last boyfriend um, was a violent asshole. Yeah. Have you processed that with anybody? Excuse me? Have you processed that with anybody, like say a counselor or some close friends? Yeah, that's uh, three years in the making. So, what do yeah. you mean? I've been in, in, in therapy uh, for three years. Counseling, individual counseling, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, may, uh, <laughs> then I'm going to totally pull a 180 and say, you know, if you hadn't been in counseling, you should probably go get a little, but if you've been in it for three years, you've had enough. Yeah. I'm you don't want to, like, pick the scab forever. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah. At a yeah, certain point, you have to say, I've, I'm done processing this, and, you know, your therapist, good therapist will say, hey, you're done, stop paying me, and, and you know, go live your life for a while. Bad therapists will say, you need therapy forever and ever and ever. They're kind of like, you know, bad contractors who never finish working on your house. <laughs> yeah, I think, I guess I'm in that position now. Okay. And, but, I'm wanting to have, you know. <laughs> sounds like you're going to make a break, though, when you leave for Berlin. Yeah, yeah. Where Lord knows you won't run into any gay guys that want to hit you. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, (laughs) Unless it's consensual, hopefully. Um, So you're horny, you're 24, 25 today? 25 today, yeah. Happy birthday. We're both Libras. I just turned 25 myself a couple days ago. Um, 
And you just need, it sounds like you just need to, like, get out there. Uh, what's holding you back besides location, 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 that you're in Jacksonville, Florida, which doesn't sound like a hotbed of homo-ness. But you're about to go to Berlin, which I assure you is a homo paradise, where you yeah. can get into lots of fun trouble. I, I lived in Berlin before, myself for a couple of years and yeah, got into I've, tons of fun trouble. I wasn't completely out before, and so this will be a new, new experience. So from the moment you land, you're out. No more <laughs> letting people assume you're straight. You're just going to be the big fag you are. Yeah. That's good. Tons of gay bars. You'll meet tons of expat homos from all over the world and tons of hot, hot, hot Berlin homos uh, and German homos. Um, so what's the problem? What's holding you back? I mean, are you just nervous about jumping into the deep end of the pool when you leave for Berlin? No, I guess, no, just even, even now, like in, in Jacksonville, and when I go out, you know, I think I look really nice, and I don't generally, like, try to dress up, but sometimes I think, oh, wow, I look really cute today, I'm, I'm going to go out, and, you know, and I... And you don't get a lot of play. I want to, like, yeah, yeah, I don't get... Are you waiting for guys to hit on you? Um, yeah, I guess. You're hanging back waiting for guys to hit on you. Yeah. How good looking are you, objectively? Objectively? I don't know. I think I'm pretty hot. Okay, you're pretty hot. I get get told it all the time, so it's like, you know, like, and I have, like, girls, like, (laughs) always after me, and then, you know, I got them. But the guys aren't. I don't know. The guys aren't into me. Okay, well, here's your problem, then. It's a problem that a lot of, that some young hot people make, uh, and that, uh, you stand there going, I'm hot, the girls want me, I'm just going to stand here and let people hit on me. Um, And often what happens is people look at you and go, there's that hot guy, he can have anyone he wants. If he wanted me, he'd come up, he'd approach me, I'm going to leave him alone. Like there's a point at which hot becomes intimidatingly hot. And, you know, I've heard, you know, the sob stories for years now from people who are just so hot that nobody ever approaches them. Because everyone assumes they've got someone, or they can get anyone, so they don't need them. And the, really, the onus falls upon you, if you're as hot as you say you are, and you're free to email me some pictures to prove that. The onus falls on you to approach people, to welcome uh, attention. You know, a lot of young gay people are terribly, terribly insecure. You know, It was enough for them to come out. It was enough for them to... You know, it took enough courage just to come out, enough courage just to walk into a gay bar. And once they're there, they, they run out of courage, and they just want to stand there and go, okay, I'm, just, I just, I'm here now, someone will approach me. I don't have to do, I don't have to put myself out there anymore. I have no, I have no more, you know, stores of bravery to draw upon. This is it. Just like, I'm going to stand here and drink this beer. And hopefully something will happen. I'm done. I've, you know, extended myself enough. And, and, and that's really self-defeating. Like, once you get in there, you really do have to approach people and be a little gregarious, even if you have to fake it. The other thing you need to do is, like, people are afraid to approach people because they're afraid of rejection, right? Yeah. You need to welcome rejection. You know, if you see some hot guy, and you see him around a lot, and you see him in the bars a lot, especially in a small town like Jacksonville, and you approach him, and he's not into you, well, then you can stop fantasizing about him or, you know, turning it over in your head, like, what if? You're like, oh, all right, well, that's not going to happen. I guess I'll look around for somebody else. Yeah. It, like, rules them out. You need to be okay with rejection. You might want to just get out there and practice doing it, because if you think you're going to have a hard time doing it in Jacksonville, wait till you get to a country where, you know, there's going to be a language barrier. 
you know? And German guys are really aggressive, so maybe you'll just need to stand there in a pair of lederhosen looking very pretty, and they'll come okay, right well, at thanks. you. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> Be safe in Germany, okay? Great. Thank you, Dan. Bye. Uh, Dan, I was just calling. I don't really have a question right now, although I'm going to be calling you soon with one I'm formulating. I just wanted to call to say that, you know, I've, I've enjoyed reading your column for a long time. Uh, and, uh, you know, since listening to your podcast, I feel like I've come to know you a lot better. And you seem like a really good guy. You know, wish I knew you in real life. I'd be proud to call you a friend. But uh, anyway, I just listened to Exit. Uh, excuse me. I'm a truck driver, and I'm on driving the truck. But uh, I just listened to Episode 47. Uh, from September 11th, and the, the lesbian girl that wanted to have sex with guys, which I actually mean she's bi. And, uh, of course, I was thinking, you know, where's girls like that? You know, I'd like to find one. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe you understand being gay how there's a there's a different dynamic when you're having sex with somebody and you have you have a common common ground there. You know what I mean? That, to me, I prefer being with a bisexual girl because I I, I feel much more at, at ease being myself with her and and uh, you know enjoying her body the way I really like to. I don't feel that you know with a straight girl, I kind of feel like I, I almost need to put on that macho thing a little bit. Where with a bisexual girl, I don't because she gets it and. Uh, now, I just hope that girl finds a guy like me because that's that's the best right there. Uh, anyway, that's all, Dan. I'll, I'm I'm working on a question. I'm gonna call you here sometime soon. With it, but thanks a lot and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're all right. Bye. Hey, thanks for your call uh, from the truck. Please put down the cell phone and drive the truck. That makes me so nervous. I'm totally my mother about those things. Um, but yeah, somebody being with somebody by if you're straight can be relaxing because you don't have to worry necessarily about your heterosexuality being policed all the time because you're already uh, indicated that you're down with, uh, you know, alternate sexualities. Uh, so thanks for your call. Thanks for the feedback. Hi, Dan. Love the show. You're freaking awesome. Um, I was just calling to ask you, is skull fucking real? I mean, do people actually seek out people with like glass eyes or something and then like fuck their eye socket? God, I fucking hope not. Um, surely someone out there has fucked someone's eye socket. Really, there isn't anything someone out there at some time hasn't fucked. You name it, uh, it's been fucked. Um, uh, skull fucking is usually a bit of hyperbole. If you really, you know, you're with somebody who can deep throat and you can really pound away at their face. I've heard that referred to as skull fucking. Um, and then, of course, there's the uber gross, uh, adolescent male sort of sexual nightmare scenario invoking skull fucking shit about popping out glass eyes and fucking people's eye sockets. Wouldn't be good for your sinuses. Uh, wouldn't be good for your brain, which is right behind your eye sockets. Uh, and uh, you certainly wouldn't want to get a bunch of cum up there. Uh, so hopefully it doesn't happen. Um, there isn't a big skull fucking subculture out there. There aren't a lot of people running around with glass eyes. Uh, and I can't imagine that anything but a vanishingly small percentage of the people out there with glass eyes would be even remotely interested in submitting to a skull fucking. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it never happens. But like gerbling and dirty Sanchez's and donkey punching and icy mics and Louisville sluggers, 
all these sex acts that never happen, uh, that doesn't prevent everybody from yakking about them all the fucking time. It just, which drives me crazy. Like, people do enough really fucked up, insane, crazy things that you don't have to make stuff up about skull fucking and donkeys and the rest of it. I'm looking right now at the smokinggun.com and I'm reading about a pastor of a church, a Baptist minister in Alabama who died in June of what the uh, coroner is calling an accidental mechanical asphyxia. He was found alone, hogtied, wearing two complete wetsuits, including a face mask, diving gloves and slippers, rubberized underwear, and a head mask, according to the autopsy. Uh, and in addition uh, to that, uh, inside the rubber briefs, the pastor had a huge black dildo shoved up his ass. Uh, and he appears to have been engaging in self-solo bondage, which some people will do, um, and accidentally uh, offed himself in the process, the 51-year-old pastor. Uh, the church where he was the pastor has asked people to refrain from speculation about what led to his demise. Uh, because, uh, and so I won't speculate that he was doing this because it made his dick hard. I'm not going to go out there and speculate about that. Uh, and they're going to quote, begin the healing process under the strong arm of our savior, Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus Christ, who is so strong, he couldn't knock the gas mask off the asphyxiating pastor in time to save his life, but he can, you know, gather the church up under his big, strong flapping arms. Uh, that's really interesting, isn't it? That this pastor in Alabama, uh, this conservative Baptist church, a, got his hands on all that gear. B, was doing that to himself. C, died doing it. Do we really need to make shit up about skull fucking and glass eyes and stuff that never happens when we have stuff like this to think about and talk about? No. Set the skull fucking aside. Let's talk about the pastor fucking. Please. And I think we're going to wrap things up with the dead reverend, if that's all right with everybody. I, I need to go... Um have a moment alone uh, and try not to speculate. I'm having a really hard time not speculating about this guy's death. So I think I need to wrap it up now or I'm going to speculate and I wouldn't want the strong arm of Jesus Christ to come down from heaven and slap me upside my fag face. If you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, preferably not about skull fucking, 206-201-2720 is the number. Please leave your phone number in case we want to call you back and catch you in the university library and harangue you about your ex-boyfriend's pie fetish. 206-201-2720. And you can download the podcast uh, as you have been uh, in huge numbers, and we appreciate it over the last year, at www.thestranger.com slash savage we'll be back next week with another installment of the savage podcast